Welcome to Look What She Built, where we show you examples of what an iconic woman leader looks like. I'm your host, Jamie Rowe, and I'm so excited to have you here. I created Look What She Built because I want to celebrate the bold, the brave, and badass women who are doing business in their own way. In this podcast, we're going to interview and celebrate these women business owners, as well as bring on experts that can help us dive deep on topics like sales, self-care, money mindset, and more. So let's dive in and show the world what an iconic woman looks like. Hello, everyone. This is Jamie Rowe from Look What She Built podcast. Today, I have Tanya Vasayo. Yes. Did I say that right now? No, no, no. Tanya. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You said it right. Yes. You got yes. it. Tanya. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about you and then we can get started. So uh, Tanya is the founder of The Courage to Be Happy, a community of independent spiritual women entrepreneurs who want to learn about money so they don't depend on anyone else financially. And since the launch of her business with a baby in hand and working only 20 hours per week, she was able to reach a six-figure revenue by her fourth year. Born to a Spanish father, an American mother, and raised in Spain at the end of a dictatorship, she was constantly in search of freedom. Tanya is a mission, is on a mission to support and teach all independent women entrepreneurs the mindset, tools, and strategies to grow their money from an easy, practical, and spiritual perspective. This way, they can break away from financial dependence and instead create an empowered life of freedom. Mr. Chacha wanted to just kind of put his words in on that one. Um, and you now live in Santa Fe. And you love reading, traveling, exploring nature, and all the adventures that it has to offer. How are you today? Good. Thank you. And I'm glad that we have another guest with us, the feline yes, guest. A very, um, we've been trying to get him, everyone, just, you know, we've been trying to get him to stop barking. He is 17-year-old Mr. Chacha, a rescue Chihuahua mix who on occasion participates. He's, I say he has his conference calls during the day you know, outside with the fence of the other dogs while I'm having my conference calls. It all works out. Yep, I like it. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Yes, I'm so glad you're here. So I'd like to ask, you know, we all, I know that, and how old is your, your kid, your child now? My daughter is now eight. She's eight. Oh, fun age. Okay, love eight. There's no more diapers and sippy cups. I know. Them and go, go walk. I love that road along Santa Fe where all the um, art galleries are. The galleries, Canyon mm. Road. Yes. Beautiful location. Yes. When I was a photographer, I would take my camera there with a really simple 50 millimeter 1.2 aperture and just walk along, take pictures of people, artwork. It's just a beautiful place. You live in a gorgeous place. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I do love it here. <laughs> well, tell me, I'd love to hear about what your morning practice is. It's, it's one of those special times. Ooh. Some people like to wake up early. Sometimes people like to, you know, they're night owls. I'm a morning person. And I'm just curious is, do you have like a certain thing that you do, like a set thing every morning? Yes. I love that question. And you caught me off guard with it. Um, I love sharing my morning practice. So for many, many years, decades now, I started um, 
morning pages, thanks to Julia Cameron. And so give credit where credit is due. She started me, for anyone that hasn't read The Artist's Way, it's a wonderful book. And one of the practices that she had is just doing this free flow writing. She calls it morning pages. And so I've been doing that since the 1990s and on and off, because when I had my daughter, it wasn't as easy. So then I started tagging on other things. So I do, I definitely do journaling. Then I do meditation and sit in silence. And this has changed throughout time too. Like it wasn't always like sit in the lotus position and, and do your meditation. When I first started, I had to do it with like guided meditations. Then it was with music. Then I could do it in silence and I could sit with my thoughts. And again, this was decades ago. So now I do my, my journaling in the morning. Then I do my meditation. Then I do some visualization too, 10, 15 minutes of visualizing of like what I want to imagine and what I want to manifest in my life. And then I try and practice uh, doing some reading, some sort of something that's going to feed my spirit of some sort. And all of this is before I've even turned on a phone, before I've had breakfast, always with a green tea. I like waking up and having my green tea in the morning. And, and, and then I make a nice breakfast. So my day really doesn't get started until like two hours later. And if I can milk three hours, that'd be awesome because I also try and do exercise in the morning. And when you have kids, you know how that is. There's been years where I wasn't able to do all of those things. And, but now, yeah, I wake up around five and get all of these things in to set my intention for the day. Oh, I love that. I mean, we all have seasons to our life. You know, I was just talking to someone else mm -hmm. about this, especially as moms where when they're babies, there's, it's all about them. Like you wake up when they wake up, you know, that's the way the show yes. runs. And then as they age and things change, um, and just embracing the beauty of what happens at each of those stages and each of those seasons, um, because it can, mm -hmm. you know, like I should wake up. I listen to people online and they wake up and they meditate, <laughs> and journal, and yoga, and have a matcha tea or green tea. You know what I mean? And there's some mornings where it's like, oh my gosh, my alarm went off, and you're just you're getting things done where you have to get done, right? Um, and I agree to having two to three hours. I mean, I don't wake up to an alarm, but I naturally wake up at five or 6am. Yeah. That's just, that's just how it works over the years. Um, but two is just having that just time to visualize too. things that you want, things yes. that you're excited about. Yes. Yeah. Just like Olympics. That starters, is awesome. right. It is. And I've manifested so many things. I highly encourage because Everyone talks about the journaling, everyone talks about the meditating, but I really encourage you to just squeeze in, like, even if you take away from the meditating part of it, you know, of being in silence, of trying to imagine those things that you want in your life, you know, like, what, what do you want in your life, you know, so, and, and it'll happen if you keep on visualizing and keep on visualizing it materializes. Yes. And being in that state of enjoying it as if it's already here. I always say like, there's so many different lives I have in other dimensions. Some people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, just don't worry about it. <laughs> and we're back. Let's talk about money. We, you know, we talked a little bit about in your community, you work with women with money blocks, right? And I think it's, as mm -hmm. you were saying, it's so interesting how it's so similar with so many different types of women across the board where we're getting these similar blocks, 
that we really, there's opportunities to clear them. So you get off this hamster wheel of these ruminating thoughts. Sometimes you don't even know you're ruminating on these thoughts. So tell me a little bit about, tell me a little bit, actually, I'm going to slow down and talk a little bit about your journey, journey with money and money blocks. And how, how'd you come to this place here today? Mm, that's a great question. Because if you would have told me five, six years ago that I'd be talking about money or business, I would have laughed at you. Because like you, my previous life, I worked as a professional photographer. I worked as a professional art director and advertising in New York City, problem solving for these huge multinational companies, you know, Starbucks, AT&T Wireless and Samsung and Nabisco. And it got to a point that it just wasn't aligned with me anymore. I just didn't want to sell these services for these huge companies. So my husband was also an art director at the time in New York City. We decided to quit our jobs. We went into photo school, like just more, more technical aspect of the photo school because we'd worked with a lot of photographers. And then after that, we're like, well, what do we do now? And we decided to move back to Spain where I was born and raised, which surprised me because my husband's American from Philadelphia. And I never thought in a million years that he'd be open to moving to Europe and starting a business. So we moved back home to Spain, to the northern part of Spain. And we started our own business. It was like a creative studio. We offered all kinds of creative services from marketing, uh, branding, graphic design, photography. We worked in the film industry for a little bit, but it just didn't work out the way we wanted to. We knew we wanted to come back to the US, that it was better for our relationship. It was better to, it's easier to start a business in the US than it is in, in Europe. So, that's what we did. We moved back here to Santa Fe, ran the business for a little bit here. And then we, this is what happens when you have two creatives uh, trying to run a business that have never been trained in sales or business or anything else. Uh, we each had our own idea of how to run the business. We would clash when we would present ideas because we're both doing the same thing. So I got to a point where my husband just, it was the feast and famine. You know, some months were great and we're like, yeah, we hit the jackpot. We got a client and we're doing X project. And then two months in a row, we're like, oh my God, we're going to have to go get a job, you know, and we're dipping into our savings and, you know, the savings are dwindling. And at one point, my husband just said, you know what? I don't think I want to run the studio anymore, which to me secretly was just like, okay, awesome because that way I get to do it my way and I get to do my own thing. But on the other hand, it left me in the space of, well, what do I do now? Because I had a gazillion certifications, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners can identify with. You know, like I was a professional photographer. I had gotten certified as a life coach, you know, in the early 2000s before anyone was even a life coach. I had, I was an art director. Like I'd pay so much money for all these different degrees. Like I just had like, my resume is just full of it, but I didn't, how do you combine and mesh them all together? So I ended up launching the courage to be happy. And I started asking a lot of questions. Like what's my purpose? Why was I born in Spain? Why was I born to a Spanish dad and an American mom? Why, you know, just all these why, 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 what, what do I want to do? Who do I want to serve? What makes me happy? What are my gifts? What are my skills? What are my talents? And trying to combine all those things together. That's when I launched the courage to be happy. And it started out by teaching women about branding, what I already knew, you know, like how to create a successful brand for them, 
but it started slowly morphing because I was being successful. Well, I'll have to go back a little bit. When my husband and I decided to not do the business together, that's when I started seeking mentors and teachers to follow, to show me the systems, because I knew that deep down there was a calling for me. I knew I had something to give the world. I just didn't know how to put it together. How do I sell myself? How do I do all these things that I was believing in the business that my husband wasn't, you know, cause he had his own idea. So anyway, I, I signed up to, you know, a big expensive mastermind and I got taught all these systems and uh, strategies of how to run a business, how to put a business together. And I was on every call I was implementing. And my daughter at the time was only 18 months old. So there was a lot of sacrifice of time, of energy, of money, you know, all these different things. But it was the best thing I could have ever done. Because the moment I started doing that and I started teaching about branding to these women, um, everything shifted. I started learning about sales, how you can make sales, how you can... Uh, help people bringing all those gifts and talents together. And suddenly my business started growing. You know, it's just like every year it was doubling. Like, whereas before it was that feast and famine. Now I kind of figured that there were systems that if you followed them like a blueprint, you could make it work. So I was like, whoa, you know, like I'm not just a creative. I was able to sell my service or I was able to do this. So other women started asking me, well, what are you doing? What systems are you putting together? So I started teaching about business too. But in the interim, while learning about business, I realized that one of the bigger things is if you don't have your money stuff, your money shit together, excuse my language, no, if I can use explicit. it here. Say what you like, my <laughs> Thank dear. You. That if you don't have your money stuff together, it's very hard. You can pull from the best mentors, the best strategies, grab the best tools. But if you don't have the right money mindset with it, you will still sabotage yourself. You will lose it. Maybe you become a great at making money and you lose it right away. Or maybe you don't even, you're not even good at making money because you get stuck with at a sales call and, and you, don't, you don't believe in yourself or you don't feel worthy of the money. So I became fascinated with that. And I'm like, what, well, what is, I started questioning my own programming, you know, growing up in Spain in a very patriarchal country, very patriarchal family too. I'm like, what are my beliefs about money? You know, like we never really question this. We never go to school. No one teaches you to question your own beliefs. You know, like, what do you believe about religion? What do you believe about money? What do you believe about your health? And I was fascinated and I started getting, surrounding myself with mentors and teachers within the money arena simultaneously, I made a big mistake with rolling over my 401k from corporate into, into an IRA. I, I walked, this was before we moved into Spain. I, I walked into Citibank, the first guy that I got, I didn't know what questions to ask. I didn't want to sound stupid. So I just put it all into the mutual funds that he was suggesting. And for the four years that I was in Spain, it was the 2008 time period, I lost a lot of money and the, you know, with my investments with this guy, but I didn't know what to ask. And when you don't know what you don't know, then you're kind of abdicating your power to that. And when we came back from Spain, my husband suggested, he's like, why don't you 
call our financial family financial advisor and invest in some stocks and ask for stocks with dividends. And oh my God, that petrified me, Jamie. I was just like, what stocks? What's a dividend? I didn't even know what a dividend was. And I, here I am, but you know, just slowly I asked for a list of dividend companies and I knew from working in advertising what companies I believed in, which ones were more aligned with me. And I just picked four or five and in those 10 years, they say it takes about seven years to double your money. And 10 years, I 10x the money. Like just add another zero to it, oh you know, of like what I had invested. Yes. And so I was like, wow, not only am I good creatively, but I'm good at investing my money, learning about sales. So we're, before it was very scary. Now, suddenly I'm starting to have curiosity. I'm starting to become empowered. I'm wanting to learn more about investing and not only learning about how to make money, because that's what I learned in this mastermind, you know, how to sell, what strategies. So that's the making component of money. But then I'm like, how do I keep my money? And, you know, which is tax strategies and other things, you know, like how do you best utilize the money that you are making? How do you save it? What are the systems to put in place? And then lastly, how do I grow my money? How do I make my money multiply itself, you know, and learning about other streams of income and other things. So a whole new world opened up to me of clearing these money, my own money, you know, blocks and my own money programming and kind of getting curious about that and seeing it within other women. And so my year long program, I started teaching not only business training classes, you know, like once a, a month we do a business training, but we also started doing a money mindset training. And I started becoming fascinated about that. So that's where it's kind of landed me, you know, in this space of just curiosity, wanting to learn, wanting to learn from other women, because I feel, I think we all, men and women, we all have our own, you know, money blocks, abundance blocks. But women, we have even more just because of living in a very male-oriented society, uh, patriarchy, it just all these things let's, that it, yeah. Let's it's, go ahead and talk about that a little bit. But um, yes, story. I I love this. Right. Um, I think that too is it's almost like you came up to a stair step, and each time you're like, I can climb over this. I can figure this out. You come up and you're like, okay, I got, I figured this out. I'm not just a creative, right? You're like another stair step. You go up over that. I mean, that is an entrepreneur is as we have challenges and obstacles come up. We don't be like, oh, that's too hard. I'm going to go. Instead, you're like, you know what? I can figure this out. And there sounds like there are some hard moments, especially with working with your husband. Um, I know I've done, I've worked with my ex in the past. It's not always easy. And it's, it, it takes intentionality. It takes work. Um, but you kept trying, which is awesome. And my Mr. Chacha is just going to participate with us today. So I apologize, everyone. That, but thank you, Mr. Chacha. Mr. Chacha. Well, let's talk about what are some top money blocks that you hear over and over and over again uh, with women. Oh, I love this. I love this because we think we're so unique with our money blocks. Like no one else has this, and then you start realizing that they start overlapping. So the top ones, and I'll start with some that I still have, you know, like I, I want to emphasize that money blocks and dealing with our money is an ongoing thing. It's not a one-stop shop. You know, it's not one of these things that you're just like, oh, I did that course or I did this thing or this class or I learned from this mentor, or I read this book, 
I'm done. You know, it's an ongoing thing and it'll be an ongoing thing until the day we drop dead. You know, it's like new level, new devil. There's going to be new challenges. There's going to be new mindset things that show up for yourself. So what I started realizing when I looked at my own money uh, programming and my own money blocks. So growing up in Spain, you know, like I said, patriarchal country, very patriarchal patriarchal family to my dad's seven brothers and one sister and the sister's the youngest and the these brothers my dad they were all over they've been very successful you know with their careers and and making the money and stuff so one of the programmings that I had with that that was very tied in well there was a couple that I've inherited from my parents particularly from my dad so if he listens to it you know I love you but this is just awareness as dad um but Yes, one of the things that I realized was that I was stopping myself. It's like, oh, I can't be as successful as the men in my life. Because in Spain, there was this underlying, invisible, unspoken word that you will be taken care of by your men. You will find a man, you will marry a man, and he'll take care of you. And if you are unlucky and don't get to marry a man don't worry your brother will take care of you and if you don't have a brother don't worry your father or your uncle will take care of you that was the message that was given to me indirectly and so on the other hand my mom being American and me being in this freedom place you know like always seeking freedom and independence it was like I don't want that I don't want the men helping me out in my life you know whether it's my husband whether it's my dad whether you know it's like I can do this on my own. I don't need help from anyone else. So there's this block of, in my particular case, that that I can't make money or I can't receive money from specific, it has to look a certain way. Like I have to make money through my job or I have to make, but I can't receive money as a gift from my husband or from my dad or from, you know, support. Let's put it instead of gift, like a support. Uh, because that makes me feel less than, you know, so you make things complicated. And that ties into another money block that is you have to work hard for money. And that I got from my dad. I still work on this because you self-sabotage. See, the first thing is to uncover these money blocks. So when you identify, I have to work hard for money because that's what was said. You know, we get these programmings into our mind from the ages zero to seven. Because the, the, the bottom line is money has no meaning. It's the meaning we give it. Money is not good. Money is not bad. It's whatever meaning you want to give it. And most likely you gave that meaning from ages zero to seven because our conscious mind is still not fully developed. So everything, the programming, everything you hear, everything you see, everything you experience is going right into your brain. So if you have parents that are fighting about money, then you're giving it the meaning that money is bad. They're fighting, they're getting divorced. I don't wanna have anything to do with it. So another big money block that I see is money or a version of this, money is bad or money, or people with money are corrupt or people with money are horrible. I just had a, a conversation today. People with money are horrible. People with money are, are evil. And so if you have that money block, the next step first is identifying it, but then, paying attention where you might self-sabotage. Because if you believe that money is evil or that people with money are evil or, or, or hurtful or bad or a version of this, you know, let's just take the general concept that money is bad, then guess what? 
you can be a six multi six figure business or seven figure or make a ton of money. You might have a huge salary, but you're going to lose it that fast or you're going to self-sabotage and you're going to create circumstances so that that money disappears. Because if you hold on to money, then you're evil. That's the programming you have. And you don't want to be evil. We all want to be loved. We all want to be connected. We don't want to be kicked out of the tribe. So even though I'm making a lot of money or I just inherited a huge chunk or I won the lottery immediately, you're going to sabotage that and it's going to go out the window or it's going to, you're going to spend it or you're going to attract unforeseen circumstances and you're going to spend it all, you know, and it's just going to disappear. And then you're going to ask like, wow, why is it every time I make a lot of money, I, I can't seem to, there's never enough. That's another money block. There's never enough money. There's this, this constant, I mean, they all kind of intertwine. Like I said, it, they're, they're just different versions from money is evil. You have to work hard for money. Um, what was the last one I just mentioned? Um, there's never enough. You're not, uh, you're not, ne there's never enough or some version of that. I'm not good enough. That's another one. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of, of receiving money. I'm not deserving of receiving money. So again, if you can start uncovering your top three to five money blocks that most likely will be in that list, then you can, the first thing is having that awareness and shining light on that awareness and saying, oh, interesting. I have to work hard for money. So I realized that if I make money with ease, I don't know, say from I'm about to launch a program or something. I've noticed with myself and with other clients that you start complicating everything yeah. because so you're underlying saying, money. Yeah, yes, you start you start adding all these things that you don't really want to do. So it makes it really hard for you. And I want to go back to a point where you talked about zero to seven is where we make a lot of these self-limiting beliefs occur, right? That they're be, you're being absorbed through well-meaning adults, whether those parents, aunt, uncle, community, you know, whatever the case. And I always think I like to ask this question um, is what's your first money memory? And this is from Jen Yu and Pudgets, who was on the podcast previously. So my question to you is what is your first money memory that you have? I share this one this is the one that's coming to mind. And I was around six, I must've been seven because we were really living at the home. And I've shared this before where there's, well, there's two stories, I think. So this first one is I was, I lived in a complex where my uncle also lived there with my cousins. So there was like 23 homes or something. And we were at the swimming pool and my uncle and my dad gave me and my cousin money to go buy the newspaper. So they must have given us a dollar, what's worth a dollar here. It was a hundred pesetas. So he got his a hundred, I got my hundred. We walked to the kiosk, brought the money back. My cousin gives the newspaper to his dad and gets to keep the change. I give the newspaper to my dad and immediately there's, well, where's the change? So I gave, it was an experience. So you give the meaning I'm not worthy enough. Like my cousin's more worthy than I am. And again, I'm attaching it to a boy. You know, he's a boy. So it's like, boys have it better. Boys have it easier. Because this is funny. I mean, this is a whole other story. When my sister was born and she was not a boy and they were expecting a boy, I automatically picked up at age three to become a boy so that my dad, my parents wouldn't be disappointed. 
I also could perceive at that age that boys had it easier. So from age three on, all the way up to like 13, I wanted to act like a boy, be like a boy, everything like a boy, because I thought that they would have it easier. So anyway, that's a whole other story, but that's the first, one of the first memories. I remember another one in a candy store where I didn't know you had to pay for candy. I must've been like five or six too. And I just filled my pockets with candy and I got home, you know, with a bag or whatever. I think the candy, per the candy store person must, there was like two levels and they weren't there. So when I got home with like this bag and pockets full of candy, my parents made me go back to the store and return it, you know, and just like apologize or whatever. And the shame with that, you know, mm -hmm. like that you feel as a five-year-old, you start carrying it with you. So it's funny, like we can laugh about those things now, but if you haven't done this work, like of paying attention to what your first money memories are. And, and then what happens is you start looking for evidence to validate that. Then, you know, I gave many meaning from this kiosk and getting the newspaper that I'm not deserving of money, that, that I'm not as deserving as my cousin, for example. My dad doesn't love me as much. And I think it's a good lesson that he taught me, you know, like now as an adult, it's like, yeah, give me my change back. You know, I earned my money. Right. I maybe would have done the same thing with my daughter. But as a, if you haven't done the work to try and understand that, then you're carrying this and you start looking for more evidence as you're getting older. So then another incident will happen. And then you'll say, see, I'm not deserving of money. The other kids at school get to buy those things that I can't, we can't afford. And I can't, I'm not deserving of it. And you keep carrying it. And most likely you're running your life and your business now as an adult, like if you were a six or seven year old, because you haven't done the work on that. Isn't that just so it's, it's a, a six or seven year olds running your business? How many in your relationships, <laughs> your life? I mean, I mean, it is rather interesting. So if someone's listening right now, they're like, oh, shoot, I know I have some money box. Some of these are resonating with me, but I don't really know what my big three are. Like, what are some like simple tools or ways to figure out what are those money blocks? What are your money blocks? The, I'll, I'll, I'll go through them again. Like the top ones that I see, I'm not worthy or deserving of money. See okay. if you resonate with some type of version of that. Okay. I, you have to work hard for money. Mm -hmm. And I just want to demystify. Well, let's go through them and then I'll give you some other tools. So I'm not worthy of money. You have to work hard for money. Um, let me see what else do we have that we were just mentioning. Oh, if I'm blanking out right now. Um, we're um, not good enough. I think one that you didn't mention, but it kind of was said in a different way, but like with your cousin is that money's for other people, not me. Maybe one of those types yes. of things. I hear that. And it kind of comes back to else. the to the the deserving comes back to the deserving aspect of it. So I see these as the major ones. Oh, and the one we were mentioning before of uh, money is evil, you know, it's, or money's bad, or people with money are bad, or corrupt, you know, so if the majority end up intertwining with some version of this, and my invitation is if you resonate with some of these, and maybe it's completely different, you know, maybe it's, you know, a different money block, and just I invite you to connect with me and share because I'm always fascinated to uncover and see what other people's money blocks are. 
but these tend to be the, the general ones, not worthy of it. I'm not good enough. There's never enough. You have to work hard for money. Money is evil is the root of all evil or people with money are corrupt or bad. Um, so that the first step is identifying what you might feel are the top three for you. You know, like in my case, it's the worthiness of it and deserving of it. Um, also the working hard and some type of version of, well, I guess it's, it goes back to receiving. So the next step would be to start and prove, prove yourself wrong with that. So what I mean by that is start looking for evidence of the opposite. So if your money belief is I have to work hard for money, I want you to go out and find three people that barely work for money or don't work at all but have an abundant and prosperous life. You know, it's just, it, it could be, but here's what happens. We end up saying, oh, she's a gold digger. She has a spouse that takes care of her or whatever. You know, like if you start finding the evidence, so you have to pay attention because your mind might take you down this path of like, oh yeah, I found three people, but I don't want their lifestyle either because they don't work at all. And she just married for money. Uh, so you have to pay attention to this. So identify what the money block is, find evidence of the opposite. And that's all tied to what's called the reticular activating system in our brain. And it's part of the, the brain. So our brain, we perceive millions of bits of information through all our senses, through our eyes, our ears, our nose, our touch, you know, through the senses. Every second we're perceiving millions of bits of information depending on what your subconscious mind's beliefs are that were implanted in your in your brain and your mind from zero to seven if you're if your belief is you have to work hard for money all those bits of information you're getting you're filtering it through this uh idea that you have to work hard for money so the invitation as you're looking for evidence of the opposite is to start programming your brain to look for the opposite things you know and say Oh, look, Jamie just did a launch while she was on vacation and she was out in Hawaii enjoying life and she made, you know, a six figure launch. Wow. Note to self. Let me go see if I can find some other people. How did she do it? What systems did she have in place? Because it's you're trying to prove yourself wrong because all these years of your life, you've been proving yourself right with this wrong money belief, with this, this, um, this programming that's not serving you. So we wanna look for the, the programming that is gonna serve you. The other thing that I would say of uncovering money blocks is also, and this kind of goes hand in hand with the programming that's been passed down to women, that patriarchy doesn't feel safe when women gather and create sisterhood and create community because we talk women like to talk and support each other and we're nurturing and so it's been programmed and us that you don't talk about money you don't share about this you don't ask other people how much money they make you don't ask about money you don't ask about investments it's a very taboo subject and they've made it very isolating too like it's so my invitation, the next step would be get into community, start talking about money instead of gossiping, which we women, we love talking, but instead of gossiping or talking about nonsense of whatever show you watched last night, start talking about money and be open about it. Like, 
listen to these shows, you know, listen to Jamie's shows and, and say, hey, that person that you interviewed, that was awesome. Comment on it, ask questions about it, join their communities, start feeling comfortable about it, start educating yourself and being curious about money. And so that's where you start, like what you were, it was so beautifully how you described it, Jamie. And I'd never thought of it of like these different steps that have been presented to me and they are scary, but then I'm like, okay, I think I can overcome it. I, I just need the support. I need the right people. I need the systems. And to me, it boils down to surround yourself with the right people, follow your intuition, get yourself educated, become curious about it. And then you'll be able to conquer anything. It, it doesn't matter, you know, like the financial advisor, like I had to confront, you know, and I it lost me money, you know, it has a cost. Cost of inaction, you have to think about what's the cost of inaction sometimes too, you know, like if I don't do anything. Yeah, well, and that's a nice segue to talk about, you know, you have the courage to be happy community um, and also some of your other services. And I'm curious, and I think people want to learn more, right? They, when they're ready, like they're listening to this for a reason, they're ready to get involved, ready to participate, be like, oh, she's doing it, I can do it too. Um, we need to have more role models of what's going on and talking, having conversations about money. So tell us a little bit about what you have to offer. There's a, there's several different ways that you can start dipping your toes into it. You know, I offer a ton of different little uh, free things, you know, like you have, I have women's top money mistakes and how to fix them guide, which if we can put into the notes, I think it's womenstopmoneymistakes.com, uh, something like that. You can click on the URL there and you can get that guide and you'll go through it. You know, some of the things we've just mentioned so that you can kind of look and see like, oh, okay, I'm doing this well. I'm this, I need to work on a little bit more. That's one way. Uh, another one is I just launched my YouTube channel too this year. So I'm always posting new videos about money mindset, about business growth, about habits and practices and stuff. So just listen to some of those, you know, and it could be my videos. It could be someone else's videos. You know, just my invitation is that you start getting comfortable of like listening to it because I think we kind of all cringe with money, you know, like, oh my God, I can't, that's too much jargon. I don't know what a dividend is. I don't know what an ROI is. I don't know what the, the and so we just shut down. So my invitation is start looking for teachers, mentors, authors, books that might resonate with you where you can dip your toe with it's not as intimidating. I'm not saying go out and read a book of Warren Buffett or how to invest in the financial markets and because I would cringe with that too, you know, but maybe you could read a book you know, like the four laws of prosperity by Edwina Gaines, it's coming more from a spiritual perspective or listen to some of the YouTube videos that I have. I try and make them kind of short, you know, that's not too jargony because I'm not a financial advisor. You know, I, I only share my own experiences, what I've learned. I try and connect with other people that are in that world and can connect them with uh, different people that, that talk about money and learn about it. And another place is I have a private Facebook group for women that's called Increase Your Income and Impact. And that's another great place to join in because I'm a big believer that if women, there's statistics out there that when women, 95% of women, this is a statistic from NATO, when 95% of women, they'll take their earned income 
and reinvested into their families and their communities compared to only 35% of men. Yes. And so I'm on a mission that if every woman can learn about their, their money stuff, this is something we have to learn. It's like, it's, you have a relationship with money. We're just born into a society, into a world where we have to nurture that relationship. It's like our health. We have to learn about how to take care of ourselves. So I invite you to just go and, and start getting a little bit curious, surround yourself with other women, you know, come into our community because once women are financially free and your needs are covered, I believe women, the, the world would change. We would have women, you know, donating to their nonprofits, helping kids with education, sending your kids to the best schools, you know, and all this. And we'd just be reinvesting into our families, into our communities, into the world at large. So the more we can talk about it and just kind of demystify this whole taboo subject, uh, that's, that's my mission. You know, it's like, if I could do it, and I never thought in a million years that I'd be able to talk about this stuff. Like I said, you know, this was very uh, trouble. So those are a couple of ways. And then there's, I, I, we're just in the middle of money, magic miracles It's an eight week class. And in the last cohort we have, I'm proud to say, I'm so excited because I, this is from the community. We had 25 women in that group. And in eight weeks, they raised, they made manifested collectively over a million dollars. It was like a million, 100,000 in eight weeks, 25 women. Need to be and we program. didn't even take down. <laughs> It That's was wonderful. amazing. You know what? That program, what it helps you besides clearing money blocks and all these different things, I think the gist of it is shifting our mindset from lack mentality, like there's not enough. I'm not enough. There's there's never enough in the bank account. Shifting from that lack mentality into a prosperous and abundant mentality. Because I am a big believer that we live in an abundant universe. It's just, we have to shift our perspective with that. So yes. yeah, those are different ways that you can work with me. Okay. And your website is thecouragetobehappy.com? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. So you can find, yes, Tani there. And this has been such a pleasure having you on here today. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. I love it. I love talking about this topic. I could go on and on. So I really appreciate it. Yes, this is a really important topic, and it's something that um, you see it show up in different patterns in different parts of your business and in your life, and that's why it's so important to pause, have some intention, um, have some courage, right, to be bold and to step forward and start the conversation, start being curious. I love that you said that many times, and that really resonates with me, is put on your Sherlock Holmes hat and be curious about what's going on with your money. And if you don't have money, sign up for Tanya's class and in eight weeks, you will have money and then you can decide what to do with it, right? <laughs> there you go. Yes. Thank you everyone for listening today. I appreciate you listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this conversation. I'm Jamie Rowe with Look What She Built the one and only podcast that celebrates the brave, bold, and badass women who are doing business their way and telling us about it. Until next time, go show the world what an iconic woman looks like. Please share this with three women because we all need to share positive messages in the world. And if you want to learn more, please connect with me on social at impact to income